Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. In a battle, even if it's an unequal battle, it's uh, we call asymmetrical. If the weaker opponent is more eager, is more enthusiastic, you know, believes in his cause, and the other one is sluggish. Yes, he's more powerful, brute strength, but he's sluggish. There's no interest, no enthusiasm, doesn't believe in what he's fighting in. Then the weaker hand could triumph over the stronger hand. So it's not necessarily the one who's physically stronger. It's the one who's quicker, who's sharper, who's more alert, who's more awake, who's more enthusiastic. If you feel depressed and you feel worthless, there's no energy. What's the point? I'm worthless anyway. My whole being is worthless. Whatever I do is meaningless. A person is so down in himself that you feel worthless, it's pointless, therefore you become lazy. Then you have sluggishness. Where does sluggishness come from? sense of heaviness. It comes from when your heart is dull. Dull like a stone. Dullness is not necessarily depression. Dullness is you just you don't feel anything. You just don't respond to any, any stimulation. You're not inspired. You just don't feel anything. You couldn't care less. Your heart does not move. You can hear the most moving story. and Nothing moves you. And that leads to sluggishness. And if you don't care, so what's the point? Why, why? So there's no energy, there's no enthusiasm. And then it's impossible to overcome Yetzirah. So what's the opposite of laziness? Quickness, alacrity. When a person is awake, and a person is inspired, and a person is excited, and a person is eager, and a person is enthusiastic. Whatever you do, you do with oomph. You do, you're present, you do it with pleasure, you do it with intensity, you do it with your life. You do it quickly, and you do it. You jump out of bed, and you do it, and you do it wholeheartedly, and you're present, and you're focused, and you're excited, and you're enthusiastic. Where does this come from? Which, when does a person have this alacrity? When you have joy, when you feel joy, when you're joyous, when you feel worthwhile, and you feel precious. And you feel the preciousness of who you are and the preciousness of what you're about to do and the meaningfulness of what you're about to do and how meaningful it is and how mean. Then you feel excited. And the opening of the heart, joy. When your person is joyful, there's no, there's no heaviness in your heart. There's, no, there's not even a, a trace of worry. You're in a good mood. You know, it happens occasionally. <laughs> you have a moment of grace. You wake up. And you feel just at peace with yourself and love, at peace with the world around you. Everything feels wonderful, everything feels whole, everything feels great. You just feel it with every fiber of your being, every bone in your body. You feel great, you feel wonderful. The world is, you hear the music, the sun is smiling, it's a beautiful world. You smell the flowers, it's, you just feel at peace. Everyone, everything is loving, everything is good. And then that lasts for three and a half seconds. <laughs> <laughs> The heavy burden state of anxiety and uh, just returns. But is that unnatural state? It's not totally unnatural, completely unnatural. Only natural because we're used to it, because it's more often than not. You know, it doesn't happen in a natural state because 
we forgot what it's like to be natural. It's those moments of grace that you re- really you remind yourself of what it feels to be natural. That's how we felt as children. That we were the world was pure, the world was innocent. We were pure, we were innocent. The world was wonderful. Life was wonderful. No hang-ups and no no nothing was. The world wasn't so twisted and hung, it was just normal, natural. That is natural. Only saying that this is natural because we just used to. But there's nothing natural about it. It's completely unnatural. But what about bad news? Oh, that, that we're going to get to. That's a very good question. That's, that's a very good question. That we're going to get to in a moment. That's what Alter is going to explain. How do you deal with depression that comes from bad news? Or, let's say, depression because of something terrible that you did. You acted horribly and you feel horrible about yourself. Because you did something terrible. Genuinely terrible. Something wrong, something harmful, and you feel terrible about it. You feel like a piece of garbage. How do you deal with it? This, that's a that's a serious question. But he's saying that the in general, a person's general state has to be. Your heart has to be open. You have to feel, be joyous, and you have to be free, unblemished of any trace of worry. That should be the natural state. Besimcha, the Rebbe would always say, Besimcha v'tuv You have to be with joy, and your heart has to feel good. You have to feel good about life. You have to feel good. Life is good. Life is precious. You're precious. Everything that we do is precious and meaningful. You have to feel eager about life. You have to feel good about life. Life is wonderful. Life is special. Life is precious. You have to look forward. A new day comes. The sun shines. A new day. Be ready to tackle the day. What an exciting day. That's the only way to be able to overcome the evil inclination. When you have that joy, which leads to alacrity, to quickness, then you can outmaneuver and you can overcome anything your ego will throw you or your Yetzirah will throw you, then you can overcome and you can triumph, you can win the war, you can win the battle. So this is an essential element, to be joyful. Feel good. Be in a good mood. It's very important when soldiers go to battle. That's why they have they have uh, musicians playing. You're going to battle and hear hear they're playing. It's, it's usually a very upbeat march and a triumphant march. Because it's important to go to battle to win the battle. You have to be strong. You have to be confident. You have to be positive. You know. And then you can tackle whatever, whatever challenges you can tackle and overcome. Sadness is like a medicine. It's like a poison. You don't give a medicine, a poison, to a healthy person. A healthy person, you give bread, you give a bagel, you give fresh bread. You don't feed a healthy person, you don't feed them poison. But a person who's ill, a person who's not responding to healthy food, you have to give them a poison. The poison is to wake them up. The medicine alone is poison. But you can put it to good use. Sometimes a person needs that poison to wake him up. So too. There's sometimes there's a wall, there's a blockage between you and and godliness. You don't sense anything godly, you don't respond to anything godly. You feel dead inside. You don't feel anything. You don't feel, you don't respond to godliness, you don't feel any love to God, and you don't feel any love to other people as well. There's no real connection. 
You don't feel any real connection to God, and you don't feel any real connection to other people. You're going through life, but you're like a robot. But there's no real love. There's no real feeling. You're just totally, completely self-centered, completely self-absorbed, and you have no attachment to anyone. No real attachment to anyone. No genuine empathy or genuine love. And people go through their whole lives that way. So you're dead inside. Spiritually, you're dead inside. There's no genuine love, genuine attachment, genuine empathy to another person. And there's no genuine empathy or love to Hashem. So you need something to break through that, that uh, the iron wall, the iron curtain. Nothing can get through. So you need a medicine. You're ill. You're emotionally and psychologically and spiritually ill, scarred. How did you reach this state? If you started out as a child, you're innocent because of all the sins. So because of all the sins, it, it deadens you. You become dead inside. And you create all these psychological and spiritual scars. This iron curtain that don't allow, don't allow you to access your nasham, to experience and to sense something real. You've lost your ability to feel. So you need a drug. You need something to wake you up. So then, when you have sadness, and you have a broken heart, then that leads you to, once again, you feel human again. You feel humane. You feel like a normal mensch. Before that, you were living in some bubble. You were so artificial and so surreal, so unreal. Your whole life was surreal. Now you can feel again. Now you can feel. You can get in touch with yourself, with your real feelings. You can get in touch with who you really are, that innocent child inside of you. You can really sense and experience it. You can love once again. So now because you feel the pain, now you can feel the love as well. As the Rujan Rebbe used to say, he says, there's nothing more whole than a broken heart. He said, there's nothing straighter than a crooked ladder. <laughs> the ladder is straight, you can't, you can't climb it, you have to lean it against something. He said, and there's nothing uh, darker and then white shrouds, right? A dead person is wrapped in white shrouds. There's nothing blacker, there's nothing sadder, more tragic than tragic than the white. So, yes, everything has to be whole. But what makes the heart whole? And the heart is broken. Because a person who doesn't have a broken heart has no heart at all. A person who has a broken heart can feel, feels alive, can love. Yes, you're hurting, you're in pain, you're troubled, you're sad, you're crying. Your heart is broken in a thousand pieces. But you know, now you can feel. And if you feel pain, you can feel sadness. and something bothers you, then you can love, you can start loving as well. Before that, you became completely numb. You're not responding to anything. You don't feel one way, you don't feel, you don't feel anything. Nothing bothers you. The fact that you can sin and you can be so disloyal, disloyal to yourself, disloyal to your true essence, disloyal to those around you, and it doesn't bother you. It means you're dead. It means you don't feel anything. You're completely numbed out. You're in such pain that you're completely numbed out. You don't feel anything. When the pain penetrates the iron curtain and breaks through that thick, and suddenly your heart is broken to a thousand pieces, oh, now you're alive. 
Now you're awake. Now you feel. Yes, now you're feeling pain, but right after that, now you can feel love. Now you feel real. Now you can feel real love, a real attachment. So the sadness, per se, is a medicine. It's not a good thing. And you only administer it at the right time, just like medicine. No one sits down to a three-course dinner of medicine. You give it judiciously. It has to be given by an authority. It's given judiciously. You take it in a dose at the right time, and that's it. So, too, this drug has to be administered judiciously at the right time. As you can explain elsewhere, the proper time when you, you administer this drug of sadness, of having a broken heart. But it's not the sadness per se. The sadness per se is not good. But it's a necessary, it's a necessary drug. It's a necessary cure, medicine, for the illness. Once a person experiences that sadness, that bitterness, that contrite heart, that brokenness of the heart, and you really feel broken and shattered, that leads to joy. Because once you break through the arrogance, once you break through the shell, the klippa, and the arrogance, and the smugness, and the self-complacency, and, and the artificial bubble that we create around ourselves, we create such defenses that we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, we don't allow ourselves to feel anything. We, we are so protective of ourselves, we don't allow anything that will, God forbid, make us feel uncomfortable, or make us, make us feel, you know, make us love anything, and we just... We create this, this shield around ourselves. So when you break through the shield, now you feel brokenhearted. Now you can feel vulnerable. Now you can love. You can care. So that's the profit. It's the joy that you feel afterwards. Your heart feels alive. You can feel. You can feel attachment. You can feel connection. Suddenly you feel reality. You feel like your life is real. Before your heart was broken, your life was artificial. You created an artificial life. Packaged very nicely, very neatly. Like everything else today, everything is packaged very nicely and neatly. But there's nobody home. It's not genuine. It's not real. When you pierce through, now suddenly you feel, you feel alive. Life is real. You feel connected. You feel attached. You feel that life is consequent. Life is real. And it's meaningful. And it's worthwhile. And everything that you do really matters and makes a difference. You feel attached. You start caring about life. Instead of walking around with a sense of coolness and difference, and, you know, I don't take anything to heart. I'm cool. I'm detached. I don't let anything get to me. On the contrary, you live life. Yes, life gets to you. Life should get to you. You should care about it. You feel alive. You feel excited. So that's only after you break through the arrogance. You have to break through the arrogance. You have to break through that foolishness and that arrogance that we create around ourselves that doesn't allow us to feel anything, to feel humane and human and and attached and connected and make connections, real connections between people and real connections between us and Hashem. Once you break through that shell, that arrogance, because your heart is shattered and broken to a thousand pieces, now... I can feel, and I can truly live life, and feel that life is real. Um, I see a lot of people who are very depressed, and often 
They're very depressed because of things that have happened in their lives growing up, where they've been kept in various ways from the ability to make connections with other people. Either they get mixed messages from their parents or distorted messages or uh, broken homes. It's very hard for them to connect. So it seems, from what I see, it's not sinning so much as just not having gotten the wrong programming in order to make connections, or allow them to make connections. And it's only when they can start to unravel some of this stuff that they can start making connections. You know, there's interesting, uh, what's the name of the book by uh, Camus? Um, Stranger. Stranger. A person who's completely, probably grew up in such a dysfunctional home, and he's completely uh, numb, doesn't feel a thing, has no relation to anyone doesn't care about anything. And then decides for the fun of it or whatever, just because murders someone. And he still doesn't really feel anything. It's indifferent. What difference does it make? And then they sentence him to death. And the next morning they're going to hang him. And that night, for the first time in his life, he feels. He has real feelings. He feels like a human being. He feels. Suddenly it all comes pouring out. All that bottled up that he's bottled up all these years, now suddenly he has real feelings. He feels... Now, so deep down we all have these feelings. Deep down we all have, you know, that innocence. And no one can take that away from us, not even our parents. Even under the worst circumstances, there is, we have, there's something very real inside of us. And um, it's a question of really accessing it, a really a question of touching that place inside of us. How do you reach that place? By blaming your parents, uh, just chewing over once again why and when and where, it doesn't help you. So you're stuck. Okay, so now I know why. Okay, so it doesn't do me any good. It doesn't help. How do you reach that? How do you get the dam to burst? I mean, how do you reach that place? which is really bubbling and is seething with energy and is alive and is vibrant. It's there. It's just deep down inside of us and it's trapped. And the truth is that because they had this, sometimes a person feels in such pain, there's such pain that they just numb out. That's, that's their, their a defense, yeah. It's, it's, their, it's their defense. They, they feel so deeply. They're so sensitive and they feel so deeply that they just, they just numb out. The question is, how do you reach that place deep down inside that's seething with feeling, that's bubbling, that's alive, that's real? So he says, when a person has a broken heart, when a person feels broken, when a person, then you can crack through that shell, you can crack through the shell, then that inner purity incense could emerge. And once you feel it and you touch it, that leads to joy. That leads to a tremendous joy. Yes, it's very painful. But it's also very cathartic. It's it's not blaming anyone, but it's seeing what the mis the artificial connections are, the wrong connections are that they make based on things. We're getting certain messages up. Blaming them, saying, "Oh, I got this message, and I went down this path instead of seeing that I really should have gone over here." But here he's talking about experientially. If a person is able to truly 
achieve a broken heart? That's what King Solomon, the wisest man, is saying. The ultimate psychologist says, if a person is able to experience a broken heart, then you're able to crack through the shell. Whoever caused it, whatever. And then you're able to feel. And then you're able to feel alive, maybe for the first time in your life. And feel joyful. And feel how precious your life is. And how worthwhile you are. Your ability to give love and to receive love. It's two ways. Because you're precious. And your life is precious. And you can give love and you can receive love. It's a two-way street. And, um, and you can feel attachment and you can feel connection. And, you can, and suddenly you can feel the love to Hashem and the connection to Hashem. Which leads you to joy. Now you feel alive. I can feel. I can experience. I can live life for real in a deep way. In a very real way, in a very personal way. But sometimes the only way to get there experientially is through, how do you crack through that dam, defenses that we created many times as a result. As a result of all these negative experiences growing up, we create this armor, this shield, these defenses. And the more we're hurt and the more we're scarred, we just created this, 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 uh, you know, this dam and we don't allow anything to go through. So we numb out. We don't feel anything deeply. We don't care. We just cool. I'm cool. I'm detached. I'm cool. I don't feel anything. I don't care about anything. But that's not life. That's not a response to life. So how do you break through? How do you get to that deep place inside of us, that place inside of us that makes life real, It makes us real? It's through a broken heart. When something breaks your heart, yes, it's very painful. That's why he says it's a medicine. It has to be taken very judiciously. But then there's the prophet. The prophet is that then for the first time you're able to feel joy. Real joy. You're able to feel alive. Your heart is open. Without even the shred of, of sadness or trace of worry or sadness, you feel the blessing of life and the miracle of life and the, and the love of life. Solomon says... That joy is superior to sadness, like light is superior to darkness, and wisdom is superior to folly. So obviously, obviously, light is superior to darkness, and joy is superior to sadness, and wisdom is superior to folly. So he answers what King Solomon is saying, and this is the brilliance of King Solomon. King Solomon is pointing out to us that the light, he's not talking about light versus darkness, he's talking about light per se. Versus a light that comes from the darkness. Look in the words, the wording of King Solomon. He, King Solomon says, When the light comes from the darkness. Versus light that comes without darkness. A person who grew, grew up in light. If it's light, then you don't appreciate it. Take it for granted. You find yourself lost in the forest and it's pitch black. And there's no light around. And you hear howling animals and... And you're terrified, and suddenly you see a drop of light. Wow, now you appreciate the light. The light that comes out of the darkness is so much more precious than the light that comes, comes without darkness. Like a person who's born rich, or a person who grew up poor. And with Hashem's help, they became wealthy. Could you, could you compare the two? Someone who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, 
who never experienced any lack or any want, doesn't appreciate it. Even be spoiled. Versus a person who appreciates it because he grew up with nothing. So there's a tremendous advantage, wisdom. A wisdom that comes from a person who didn't have any advantage. So it's not only that you appreciate the light more, but it's actually the light itself is superior. When the light comes through overcoming the darkness and suppressing the darkness, it's a different quality light. As the Medrash says, where does a person see from? A person sees from the black of the eye. It's out of the darkness comes light. When the darkness itself is transformed and you break the darkness, and by breaking the darkness you, you reveal the light, it's a different quality of light. The light, you can't compare the two lights. Not only is it the same light, but you appreciate the light more. It's a deeper, you discover a deeper quality in the light. You discover a deeper quality in the wisdom. A person who never, had, never experienced sadness, everything is positive. They're from this think positive school. Everything is positive. Always positive, positive, positive. It's wonderful. But a person who never experienced darkness, a person who never experienced sadness, a person who never, whose heart was never broken, whose heart was never shattered, doesn't really know the real meaning of joy. It's only when you went through that experience and your heart was broken to a thousand pieces. Then the profit that comes out of it the joy that comes as a result is so much deeper, so much richer, so much more intense. It's like a difference between rain and, and uh, spring water. Spring rain comes directly from heaven. Spring water is much richer. Richer in minerals. Much more life-sustaining than rain. Why? Because the spring water has to go through the dirt. has to push its way through the dirt. When you have to work your way through the dirt, it cleanses it, and the water becomes so enriched, it's a whole different quality. Certain things, rainwater is not enough. In Allah, when the Torah says you have to dip, you need living water. Mayim chayim, living water is, is spring water, not rainwater. For the red heifer, you need spring water, not, not, uh, not rainwater. Mikvah is not enough. It has a deeper, richer quality. To it. And that's the story of the soul. The soul in heaven, it's all bliss. It's all light. Everything is wonderful. Everything is blissful. Everything is light, illumination. There's no darkness and no shadows. When the soul comes down into this world and there's heartbreak and there's heartache and you have to go through that experience, the neshama, the soul, is that much richer, so much deeper, more intense and richer. So the quality of the joy that comes as a result of the sadness is much deeper and much richer. And this is the profit that you could only achieve through, through going through the experience of the sadness. And that's what King Solomon is telling us. The same King Solomon is telling us that the, the uh, superiority of light that comes after the darkness, through the darkness, by walking through the darkness, so too the joy. The joy, this is the prophet that comes through the sadness. When the prophet comes as a result of the sadness, after the sadness, it clears your heart and you feel so alive afterwards. You feel so appreciative and alive. And you feel so connected. That the joy is, is beyond someone who never, who never went through this experience. Mm-hmm. 
Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky.